right, we're moving. Welcome to Modon Ivri, updated technology, and uh, <laughs> ready to go. I wonder if it really actually sounds better on the, I'll have to check the website and see once they get some of these downloaded and see if it's any better. Huh? Um, we're in the book of Habakkuk, and we're just about ready to start chapter two, which actually, um, syntax-wise, and also, lexically is a very challenging section that we're in and that we're going to be in uh, for most of Chapter 2, especially the first part. So we'll have to be a little patient and uh, kind of talk things through because there's going to be a lot of options presented for us. We left Habakkuk last time with his second response as we're reading the book to Yahweh's um, words of condemnation. Um, Habakkuk had the complaint about the injustice in Israel, and Yahweh counters it by saying, well, I'm sending the Chaldeans, like you know, a flood to take care of a spot on the kitchen floor. And so Habakkuk responds and says, you need this whole flood? You know, the, the people that are righteous are being undone by people more wicked than they are. And that's where he leaves his complaint. Um, so now we get to the most famous part of the book. I guess parts of chapter 3 are pretty well known, too. Um, but chapter 2, we're ready to start at verse 1, um, and Habakkuk now is still talking. So he's still continuing his speech. The switchover is actually at verse 2, as you will see. Al mishmarti emoda ve'et yatzva al matzor va'atzapeh lirot ma'yedaber bi uma'ashiv al tokachti. On my watch... Notice you can see the root shamar from there. Mishmeret is a famous word. So, on my watch, e'emoda, I will stand. Notice that this is a long form. It looks like a cohortative. Uh, but again, in a lot of these first-person forms, sometimes you get the hey, and I don't know if it depends on scribal tradition, the manuscript, uh, but there's no need to translate this as a cohortative. You have a number of forms like this. Is, this happens on Vav consecutive first persons as well. Um, and I don't know if it happens uh, in later manuscripts or in later writings or not um, and how consistent that is. You kind of see it in a number of places. So, on my watch, Emoda, I will stand. Ve'et yatzva. This is from a hitpael, all right, from yatzav, which is similar to natsav, and I will station myself, let's say. Notice that um, Ahmad and Yatzav are synonyms here. So I will take my stand and I will station myself al Matzor on um, a siege tower. Matzor, or on just a tower. All right. Va'atzapeh, and I will watch from Zapa. This is a P-A-L, all right, first common singular from Zapa. And I will watch Lirot. How does the Lamed function to see? Notice its purpose in order to see from Ra'ah. This is a call infinitive construct. In order to see Ma'yadeberbi, what he will say, and maybe you translate this B, what he will speak against me. All right, you could probably translate a little more neutrally what he will say to me, but maybe the Beh is there for that reason. And now notice what he says. He's still pretty audacious here. So what he will say to me and what ashiv, notice what's the root? What, yeah. And, and, and what I will return to tokakti, 
Um, to my rebuke. Okay, now let's look at how you should understand that. Um, my rebuke means what? Can you unpack that? Him rebuking me. See, so it's not me rebuking him. So it's more of an objective. See, so you're kind of understanding God is the one doing the rebuking. Um, so notice he says, I, I will look to see what he will say to me and how I will answer his rebuke. So he already kind of knows he's going to get rebuked, but he's not put back by it. See, so that's what you get the sense that Habakkuk is very bold and audacious here with God. See, and that's why I said the whole purpose of the book is the humbling of Habakkuk. All right. And I'll try to make that point when we get to this famous line in verse four. Good. Any questions in verse one? Any of the grammar and stuff? All right, here comes Yahweh. <laughs> then Yahweh answered me. Anyone see the root of Vayaaneni? From Ana. Good, from Ana. Then Yahweh answered me and said, Ketov, imperative call, plain A spelling, right? With the, with the uh, Vav for the for the uh, vowel marker. Ketov. Write a, write a, chatzon, a chatzon. Write the vision or revelation. Uva'er. This is a PL imperative uh, from Ba'ar. And write it plainly. Make it plain. Al-haluchot. On the tablets. Whether these tablets were clay or stone or wood, no one is sure of the material. All right? Now, so that Lama'an Yarutz kore vo. Yarutz means to run. Kore is to read. So notice that that's the participle that's the subject of run. So that one reading bow, so that one who reads it can run. What the heck does that mean? Well, it probably simply means something like Write it plainly so that it can be read easily, so that the reader can run his eyes across it. That's how most commentaries understand it. It's not as if, oh, he's going to read it and then run away and pass it on or something like that. But it's much more kind of just a way of saying, you know, notice that the previous clause helps us with that. Write it plainly on tablets so that one who reads, so that it can be read easily. See, so that one who reads it can read it easily. All right. That's kind of basically how that's understood. Are you like, um, when you're translating it, <coughs> write it plainly, are you like making that in diety, like uh, two verbs that are saying one thing? Kind of like uh, in, in the um, last clause, the Yarutz Kore, that's uh, how some grammarians explain the relationship between Kore and Yarutz. So the one reading it can run. He explains it as two verbs for one idea. So that one, so that it can be read plainly. All right? The first one, the ba'er, means to um, make something clear. Ba'er, make something plain. All right? Okay, good. Any other questions? Verse 3. All right. For yet there is a vision for the mo'ed, for the appointed time. All right, so notice that he has a set time when this is going to come true. Now, this word, veyafeach. Formerly, it was thought to be from a root like puach, 
right, a hifiel, um, and it meant to pant. It means to pant, to breathe, uh, and they would say that it, something like, well, literally, this is ridiculous, it pants to the end, but then they would make this transfer, it hastens to the end, all right, and it will not lie. But um, Ugaritic texts have found this word, yapeach, to mean witness. And uh, a form like this occurs in Psalm 27, actually, to mean witness, and a couple times in Proverbs, a, a lengthened form. So, uh, as a synonym with aid, witness aid. All right, so it's, I think that that's the better translation. For yet there is a vision for the appointed time, and a witness to the end, and it will not lie, kazah. See, it will not deceive. So it's not a false witness. I think that fits the context a lot better. All right. Im yit mama chakelo ki vo yavo lo yeacher. Okay, if it yit mama, yit mama, if it delays, this is from the root. Can anyone see what the root is? It looks like a scramble of words. Close. It's actually mem, hey, then hey with the hirik. Maha, maha. And it's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's a hit palel or whatever you want to call it. You can make up any word you want there. Hit palel sounds good to me. So it's mem, hey, hey with the hirik. There's the reduplication there. All right. So, and remember, uh, well, I was reading Nahum the other night, and he loves plays on words like this. I mean, they're all over the place, and prophets tend to like stuff like this. So, Im yit mama. If it delays, chakelo. Wait for it. Again, a pl from chaka to wait. Pl imperative. So if it delays, chakelo. Wait for it. Kivoyavo. Infinitive absolute followed by the finite verb. For it will certainly come. Voyavo. All right. Or you could translate again. How does the uh, Kevin can give us a dissertation on this? How does the uh, infinitive absolute function? You could say it will come quickly as an adverb that modifies the um, the action. But here, you know, um, most translations go with it will certainly come lo yeacher. It will not delay. Again, a pl imperfect from achar. The chet, of course, does not have the negation. It's virtual doubling. Okay. All right. Um, questions through verse three then. All right, now here we get to this big line. Hine uplalo yashranaf shovo, fatsadik baemunato yichya. Okay, look now, upla. This is a pu'al, again, a form that, uh, if you notice, just look at the text. There's some textual difficulties throughout uh, in these next two verses. But notice that uh, there's a couple other. Um, Suggestions, but really no manuscript evidence. Septuagint seems to have a uh, different readings for a couple other words here. So look, puffed up. What's the subject? Notice that this is a pu'al, third feminine. Look, puffed up, lo yashra, not upright. Here's the subject, nafsho, his soul. Okay. Now, here's how uh, a couple people translate. And I'm going to translate it like this, and it can be debated, but it helps me make my point, so I'm going to do it. Behold, a soul which is puffed up, 
his soul is not upright in him. Okay, So the puffed up soul is one whose, whose soul is not upright in him. All right. Um, so that I see this line in correspondence or in contrast to the righteous one, Tzaddik. All right. So he's talking in a sense about the arrogant one, the puffed up soul. His soul is not upright in him. But a tzaddik, a righteous one, be'emunato yichia, lives by his emuna. All right. Now, at least the New Revised Standard, and um, I think that F.F. Bruce translates it that way, and I looked up a couple others, and they seem to take the line that way. So, in other words, I, I think that that line is not referring to the Chaldeans, the first part of verse 4. I don't think that he refers to him, but it's referring to a, a certain quality of person. That's the case I want to make. So Yahweh says, look, his soul is puffed up, who's, uh, or the, the arrogant soul, see, Hine, Upla, see, his puffed up soul is one who is not upright in him. That's kind of, the nafsho is the subject of both those verbs referring to an arrogant person. And that arrogant person, his soul is not upright. But the righteous one, by his faith, lives. Okay, now, here's the point that I want to make with all this. I would suggest that this is kind of an indirect judgment of Habakkuk. So that, I mean, notice in, um, in chapter 1, verse 13, remember when he asked this question? Why do you look at Bogdim, treacherous people? You are silent when the evil one swallows up one more tzaddik than him. So notice Habakkuk's whole thing is, hey, the tzaddik are being swallowed up by Rasha. Here Yahweh says, a, a tzaddik lives by his emunah, by his faithfulness. So in other words, he's kind of indirectly telling asking Habakkuk to question whether he's, he's a tzaddik. In other words, the whole assumption that Habakkuk's making is, I'm on the tzaddik side. All right? But notice that he's being kind of arrogant and rash and bold throughout this whole thing, questioning God's ways. And so, notice in the first line, God says, look, a person whose soul is puffed up is not upright in him. And a righteous guy lives by his emunah. So, in other words, it's an indirect way of this is the point I want to make of the humbling of Habakkuk by all of a sudden revealing to him you're not a righteous, as righteous as you think. See, You're not living by emunah, which is both faith and the outcome of faith, a faithful way of life. You know, Hebrew kind of has both sides of the same coin here. So, it's not, so you don't have to exclude interfaith from this word and you don't have to focus totally on just external life. I think emunah is faith and the faithfulness that follows from it. It's kind of a more holistic um, way of looking at uh, the person. Okay, So a tzaddik lives this way, i.e. Habakkuk, why aren't you living that way? You're not living that way, see? That's the point. That's what I think is happening here with this line. And again, that can be debated. Um, but uh, within the, the whole book, um, notice I'm trying to explain what Yahweh is trying to do. And so we'll see what happens uh, as the book goes along. Okay. Anyone have any questions about that or anything else through the four verses? Kyle. Um, yeah, that the anyone know the Hebrew verb that comes from it? 
Amen, Aman, or Amen, to be faithful. And you know the Hifil Amin to believe or to trust. Um, so this is a noun, Emunah, faithfulness. Um, it's not that uncommon, I don't think. Um, we get our English Amen from it. Dave. Oh, okay. You didn't have a question. Sorry. Verse 5. Here we have more problems. Vafki Hayain Bogade. Gever Yahir Velo Yinve. Okay. Um, again, it does get easier, so just hang in there with me. Afki, <laughs> but, but surely or certainly. Afki, take that as a kind of an emphatic together. Afki, but surely, but certainly. Now, notice what the text says. Ha Yain. You all know that word, right? Yain is wine. Sure, of course. Lutherans would know that, right? Right. Um, wine. Uh, wine bogade. Okay, see, certainly wine betrays. Now, following along the book, that just seems, what are we talking about here? We're, we're not talking about anything like that. All right. I want you to look at, and a lot of translations go with, what, with this. Notice what the Qumran reading has. Qumran instead of Yain has Hevav Nun. Everybody see that under 5b? Hevav Nun. That's the word for um, wealth. All right, um, desire for wealth. So a lot. And then notice you have he has the imperfect instead of the participle. So Qumran has Hon. See Yivgod. Wealth betrays or greed betrays, which makes a lot more sense here since we've been talking about the Chaldeans and their greed. Okay? Um, so, again, maybe you know, the Hayyayin is just really hard to make sense of it here. Greed betrays. Gever means man and Yahir means arrogant. So, it's an adjective. Yahir modifies Gever, arrogant man. Okay? So I think that you could make actually that the if you go with the Qumran reading it fits very nicely as the object. Certainly greed or wealth betrays an arrogant man. Velo yinve and he will not endure. That yinve is from nun vav he, call him perfect. He will not last, he will not remain and he will not endure. Now Yahweh seems to be turning his attention to the Chaldeans specifically. Not totally, but that's who he seems to be talking about here. Again, we have that referent issue that's going to keep confronting us. Um, okay, and he will not endure. Asher, the one who here chiv kishol nafsho, the one who broadens. Here's hifil from Rachav to be broad. Um, here chiv to make broad. The one who broadens like Sheol, his appetite, his nefesh. That's a good translation I think for nefesh see so and it fits right in with the previous line certainly wealth betrays the arrogant man and he will not endure the one who broadens like Sheol his appetite vehu kamava and he is like death velo see velo yisva that is he is never satisfied alright Yisbas from Sava, simple call, uh, imperfect. All right. 
So the one who broadens like Sheol, his appetite, and he is like death, uh, ve, that is, notice I'm translating this as kind of explanatory, how is he like death? That is, he is like death in that he is not, never satisfied. Okay, and so he gathers a love to him, kol hagoyim, we're on solid ground finally. He gathers all nations to him. See, it's like, oh, this is simple. Vayik boats, again, collects, gathers. Notice Asaf and Kavats are synonyms. And he collects a love to himself, kol ha'amim, all people. All right. So, uh, so notice how the argument that verse 5 is making. Wealth betrays the arrogant man, he will not endure. The one who bronzes his appetites, who's like death, who's never satisfied. As a result, by yes, so he gathers all nations to himself. See, he just keeps conquering. In other words, all right. Now, so that's what verse five is about. Now, verse six, he asks this question: um, What's going to happen? Halo Ela, will not these? He's talking about the conquered people, the nations. Halo Ela, will not these kulam? All of them, Allah, against him, namely this greedy person, Chaldea, Babylon, a mashal yisau, will they not raise up or lift up? Not, and this is a call from Nasa. Okay? So will not these, all of them, against him, namely the, the person described in verse 5, raise up a mashal, a, a, a song, a taunt song, or a uh, I wouldn't say proverb, but uh, this is in a negative sense a mashal, a, a song, yeah, of satire, maybe irony, something like that. Will they not do this? And a metzila, and a uh, again, this is a, again a taunting song, a satirical song. Chidot, chidot. Does anyone know what this means? A riddle. This is what Samson had a chida. Remember the lion out of the eater shall come forth sweet. All right, chidot. So, so um, Samson loved chidot. So notice it uses mashal, metzilah, chidot as synonyms. Will they not raise up a mashal against him and a metzilah uh, jokes concerning him? All right. And here he here is where they start in for as an example of one. Hoy woe. Ha marbe, woe to the one who multiplies. This is a hifil participle from rava. Rava means to be great. Here's the hifil participle to make great, used as a substantive. Woe to the one who multiplies lolo, what is not his. Remember we had that lolo reading before um, in chapter one. Where was that? Yeah, I'll find it. Um, can't find it now. Let's see here. It was right at oh, oh where was verse it? Six. Verse six. You got it. The yeah, low, the the last phrase, verse six. Remember, we had the dogish and the low low. So here's another place where that occurs. Same kind of reading. So woe to the one who multiplies what is not his. Low low, not to him. Ad matai. How long? Umak bead and the one who. Piles up. This is a hifil parsable from kavad to be heavy to make heavy. One who piles up a lav um, avtit. Avtit is a debt. One who piles up upon himself an avtit, a debt. 
Okay, so he's going into the first woe. And now, just to look, uh, we got a couple minutes left. I just want you to see, notice verse 6, you have that hoy. Verse 9, hoy. Verse 12, hoy. See, verse 15, hoy. I think that's, oh, then you have one in verse 19, hoy. See, so that kind of structures, there's going to be these woes that are going to be said against different groups of people. So the first one is, woe to the one who multiplies what is not is. He gathers it up. Now, does it refer to Babylon or to the ungodly in Israel? To both, see? Um, uh, but notice what's being pronounced is judgment. A mashal in the negative sense, a metzila or chidot. Satire, irony, those kinds of things probably is what it means. All right? Good. So we'll stop here and we will start with verse 7. Again, hang in there. Verse 2 is, or chapter 2 is difficult, but um, chapter 3 is beautiful. It's Habakkuk's prayer. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming.